Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Modern Business Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us for another fantastic episode. You know, Today, we're going to be talking about a brand within an industry that is, uh, that is really kind of undiscovered in the franchise space here in the U.S. Uh, obviously, um, there is a lot of pull all over the world with ramen, as we'll kind of get into in a little bit. Um, I've had the pleasure of uh, having this brand in multiple different locations, uh, and it is really awesome. I'm a big ramen lover, so uh, it is always really great to be able to bring a brand like this uh, to the U.S. in a big way and start to make some noise in multiple markets all around the country. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to talking to two gentlemen from the Virginia Ramen team uh, today. Uh, we'll get in, we'll get to them in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, I um, want to make sure that I talk about Springboard again and again and again uh, so you guys are all kind of aware of what we're up to uh, with that. September 28th to September 30th, uh, it's going to be in Philadelphia at the Marriott Old City. Uh, we did move to a different and larger hotel in order to make sure that we're able to accommodate more people this year. Uh, we're looking at probably, give or take, about 625 people this year, up from about 550 last year uh, is kind of what we're what we're budgeting for. So we're going to see what happens, uh, but we would obviously love to have all the listeners that are listening to this today uh, continue to sign up. We've had a lot of people sign up just because of listening to the podcast. So please make sure if you do have questions to reach out to Ryan or myself, we can both be reached at Ryan and uh, Ryan at Modern Business or Zach at Modern Business if you'd like to kind of listen or learn a little bit more about what Springboard is up to and who's going to be speaking and all that good stuff. Additionally, uh, I do just want to make sure that you guys are all kind of paying attention to what the IFA has been up to as it relates to FranPAC and all that good stuff. Uh, Ryan is, of course, on the FranPAC task force. Uh, so if he has not chased you down for FranPAC donations, he probably will at some point. Uh, for those who do want to learn a little bit more about what FranPAC does and where the money goes, uh, feel feel free to reach out to Ryan. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that he takes all of those questions and not me. Um, but he did want to make sure that I did um, mention that to you all. So if you are looking to kind of get involved in some way with the IFA, um, and you do feel like that, you know, you want to put some put your money where your mouth is in that regard. Feel free to reach out to Ryan, and he'd be happy to talk to you about that. Okay, so as it relates to the episode today, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking about a really cool industry that I really love within the restaurant space. You know, I think that there have been a lot of players that have come in from Japan that have really tried to make some noise in the U.S. Uh, to limited success, but I think that this brand is an exception to that. Uh, Jinya has really has really gained a lot of notoriety within the U.S. thus far. I've had the pleasure of knowing the brand quite well over the years just by living in D.C. near one of their locations and all that and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, they they are fortunate to have a lot of executives with a lot of experience in franchising in the U.S., uh, not only with the brand, but on the phone with me today uh, to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, what the brand is up to. And so I'm really, really happy that I have the opportunity to talk with both uh, Justin Bartek. Uh, the director of marketing, and of course, Mike LaRue, the VP of franchise sales and real estate. I added that on the back end for him uh, on the call today. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So Justin, I'm going to start with you uh, as it relates to the founding story. I know that you guys are not the founders. and You guys were kind of brought in as the professional team in the U.S. that have experience uh, in franchising. Um, so tell me a bit about the founding story and then how you got involved in this brand. Sure, that's correct. Um, the brand was founded by Tomo Takahashi in 2010. 
Um, he had come from Tokyo, already a successful restaurateur. He had a few locations, um, Robata-style restaurants in Japan. And he also comes from a family of restaurateurs. His actual parents owned a restaurant when he was growing up. So he was very, very much in the restaurant space already when he arrived. Um, when he did arrive, he actually built two different brands. So one is Robata Genia, which is in Hollywood. It still actually is one location, but we're building a few more now this year. Um, the other was Genia Ramen Bar, which we all know and love. Um, the basis of it was he he really couldn't find ramen that he enjoyed when he came to LA. He said everything was sort of mom and pop. There wasn't you know the a brand that he could really relate to. Um, so he wanted to do it himself. So that's that's the genesis of it. And how we got here 12 years later, um, in 2011, Jonathan Gold actually wrote a review about Jenny Ramen Bar, which really helped accelerate the word of mouth and really got our name out there. And that's really the, the genesis of it. But then, you know, Tomo decided to franchise. Um, we're up to 46 units and here we are. So it's um, it's been quite a ride. We, Mike and I have been here. I've been here a little over two years. Um, Mike's been here a little bit shorter than that. But, um, you know, in the past I worked, I was director of marketing for, for the halal guys before I came here. So obviously another growth brand, another ethnic cuisine, um, really Jinya check those boxes. Cause I feel like I'm, you know, I'm good now. And at this point in my career at these smaller brands and helping them grow, that's what I'm good at. So it was a natural fit in that, from that perspective, but I've also worked at brands like Qdoba, Baja Fresh, Veggie Grill. So again, different types of cuisines, fast, casual, um, you name it, I've kind of done it. I've seen brands with 700 locations and I've worked at brands with 20. So, um, you know, that's my experience in a nutshell. I love it. Well, thank you for going through that. And uh, Mike, would love to kind of turn it over to you in terms of how you got involved in this awesome brand. Yeah, so uh, I was actually, uh, I had an advisory and consulting group um, for probably the last, uh, up until, I, so I started in January of 2021. Then prior to that, uh, have been focusing really on helping uh, emerging concepts go from, uh, hey, you know, hey, we're interested in franchising. How do we put together our ops manual and FDD and whatnot? And um, kind of helped, uh, uh, I guess, be that bridge uh, uh, in that in that process. And uh, in the 16 years I've been doing this, I've only focused on emerging brands. And when when this opportunity came up, um, I actually knew Justin when Justin was at Halal Guys. So Halal Guys was one of my clients for actually several years and um, was working more on their, you know, uh, uh, call it construction side, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so when when Genia, um, when I had the opportunity to take a look, uh, you know, obviously this was kind of the mid-pandemic, so right in the middle of 2020, um, I was in the fortunate position to I really didn't have to make a move. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that it kind of checked all the boxes of, you know, what's 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 the run rate? You know, what's the segment look like? You know, is it another pizza concept that, you know, you're going to have a hard time finding, you know, finding real estate. But then when it came down to, um, you know, having something to be able to pre- pre- present to, you know, the relationships that I have in the industry, something that operators would be attracted to. You know what are those elements and one of the th- that I, what really kind of clicked is my first experience actually with Genia. Um, picked it up in the studio city which is the very first location i popped it in the microwave about two and a half hours later and it was incredible and that's when the light switched that the light just kind of went off and uh, realized that the product travels extremely well and so 
you know, obviously in that period of time, the pandemic, you know, off premise, third party delivery was absolutely exploding. And uh, you rarely see that on, on the full service side. And so um, it's been it's been an incredible run. And, uh, you know, we're we're just kind of getting started, which is uh, uh, which is uh, we're very fortunate to be in this position right now. Yeah, no, I, I think that you guys are totally right. I mean, I know personally that I too have uh, taken Junior Ramen and have heated it up in the microwave after a day, of, after a long day at the office, or you know, a night of drinking or something in between. <laughs> you know, I think that you know we've all done it on the phone clearly at some point. But I think that it is kind of the beauty of this space is that not a lot of Americans may know that, and I think that you guys are kind of capitalizing on that education. Um, which which really leads me to my next question, which is about the differentiation that you guys have over others. Um, the mom and pops, and then in addition to that, the other the other folks who are really trying to break into the ramen, you know, space within franchising. There's some others that kind of have a similar story to Tomo that have, you know, come from Japan, have a restaurant background, and have come here and are trying a different route of not hiring people that have experience in franchising in the U.S. Unlike you guys, and so talk to me a bit about some of the differentiation that you guys have versus some of those types of brands that you're seeing that you're running up against. Yeah, I, I would say um, the basis of the brand is a little different than other ramen concepts and that he he was always shooting for a younger demographic, an American demographic. Some of the recipe choices are they, they lean towards an American palate more than a traditional Japanese palate, things like that. Um, a huge differentiator, though, is just the, the look and feel. So the look of the restaurants themselves, they have a bar component. They have craft beer. They, we have small plates and tapas items. You know, it's it's a happening scene. The music's loud. It's, you know, it's it's geared towards a younger audience for sure. So I think that's a huge differentiator. If you go to any mom and pop ramen, you're not going to get that. Um, so it's kind of the genius in it is that the food's amazing. Um, it travels well, obviously, but just the, the look and feel of the restaurant is really what sets us apart, I think, uh, from other brands. So, so Mike, I want to kind of bring it over to you when you're when you're talking about when you're talking about this brand and the franchise development sphere. And, you know, obviously we know what's going on right now with the with the recession probably coming. And that's typically pretty good for franchising for the most part. So you're going to have some opportunities on your hands to probably vault this brand further forward than you already have thus far. You know, what are you talking about when you're about the industry just in general? You know, why is this an industry worth investing in right now in terms of the ramen space? Yeah, no, um, it's obviously a very relevant topic, um, you know, especially because the fact when you look at, you know, it's nice to say we're the number one uh, uh, brand in the segment in North America, and we just opened our 46th location. So um, you typically don't see that uh, when you're able to kind of claim that, you know, hey, we're the number one. And so, um, you know, I, I think a, um, you know, every's, everyone's talking about gas prices. And even when we're looking at real estate and talk with franchisees, uh, um, not just current franchisees, but, you know, obviously prospective investor groups, it's, it's, what's that, um, like, what's that secret sauce? Like how, how are we going to, uh, uh, you know, hit this potential recession? I think it's kind of an in, inevitable, uh, everyone sees that. And, um, when I'm talking to the right groups, I think they understand. Uh, the fact that Genia, we're already in a position to where, uh, uh, you know, we obviously have a couple of different day parts. We have the uh, off-premise. So if people are deciding not to drive out and, and, and go get dinner, they're ordering, they're getting it delivered. And so 
we've been in the very fortunate position that we have, I mean, we have an extremely strong unit economics, especially on a um, AUV level. And so, you know, when you look at, I guess, looking at all the differentiating factors uh, with what's going on with real estate, obviously we're at, uh, you know, the triple A, triple A rent, this, you know, the types of spaces that we want to go into, you know, even, even with super expensive rent right now, uh, the types of volumes we can push out, um, obviously very attractive. So landlords love us. Um, you know, we're, again, we're, we're just, we're, we're in a really good position right now when it comes down to, you know, really what the next, uh, you know, few years looks like. Yeah. And I, and I want to piggyback onto that, Mike, because obviously, you know, I, me knowing you and the way that I know you, you are re- real estate is really your bread and butter as well. You know, real estate very well. Um, and you can kind of speak to that quite well. So I think what I want to ask you is that number one, you know, why is Ginia something that, you know, why do they feel more comfortable versus a pizza concept? I think that's the first part of the question. And secondly, um, because you have that, you have that solid brand equity, you know, with land, with uh, with landlords and things of that nature. Is non-traditional something that you guys feel like will be an option for you, uh, just based off of what you're looking at in airports or maybe it's in college campuses and things like that? Yes. Yeah, so, good question. Um, we actually have uh, a brand. It's not necessarily Junior Ramen Bar, but we have another concept called Bushy by Junior that actually fits well into that non-trad space. Nice. Um, Obviously, limited menu. Um, obviously, a <laughs> uh, um, lot less labor intensive, and uh, uh, you know we are we do have a, f- a location in a food hall. We've uh, we've gone the airport route um, you know, with some concessionaires and have been you know through that proposal process. Uh, we actually have our first franchised uh, location uh, that should be opening up in a food hall at Ranch Cucamonga. At uh, I think we're shooting at the end of August, so. Uh, so with specifically junior ramen bar, uh, because of the overall experience uh, yeah. that, that it offers, it just it doesn't necessarily fit into that non-trout space. And that's where the kind of bushy comes into play. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's cool. That was really what I was digging for is that if there was kind of like an express-ish type model going and it seems like you guys do have that. And that's a big trend that I'm seeing right now when, when I'm talking to people on the podcast is that, you know, the express model of the experiential brand that they're providing from an, from a full service standpoint is a really big thing that brand, all brands should ideally be having. Not all of them are doing it, but it seems like and it would be a really cool thing for you guys to try and find a way to do that. It seems like you have, which is which is really awesome. And I and I kind of love to see that. So So, Justin, I would kind of imagine when you're kind of thinking about you know, decreasing that menu and things of that nature from a menu innovation standpoint, that probably falls under your purview more than anybody's. Talk to me a bit about how you guys are using menu innovation to kind of create some buzz around the brand um, as you're trying to create some more customers that maybe don't know what ramen is. Yeah, for for Junior Ramen Bar, um, it's, it's a huge factor. And what we've done over the years is a quarterly chef special. So obviously with our with our product, even though it's hot food, our best markets are like Houston, Atlanta, LA. So warmer weather climates, we still do very well. But how we use the menu to achieve that is, you know, in the summer, we always have a summer menu with like Hayashi, which is the cold noodle version. We have drinks that are summer specific, watermelon drink, a cucumber drink. Um, The current chef special is, you know, spicy mazi men, which it doesn't have broth. So just little things here and there that you know, make make this time period more appealing, meaning the summer, um, because obviously we do see a little bit of dip in sales, but our sales are so strong 
that we, you know, it's a, it's a blip and then we go right back up and it, there's a little bit of a cycle to that, but how we try to attack it with the menu is just by offering things that are more suitable for the hot months. That's one way we do that on the bushy level, the, the menus pared down and also has, um, hand rolls. So that concept's also a little different. It's, it's ramen hand rolls and crispy chicken or, or karage as we call it. So it's a little bit of a different model, but again, it's pared down so that we can make combos out of those three items or, you know, we can, you can, travel you can just buy hand rolls if you want like it's a little more flexible and, and it is much less labor intensive yeah no i think that and i think it's cool that with the bushy concept that you guys are kind of going the izakaya route and trying to kind of make that your express model and that's the way that it is in japan and but it but you know you guys have managed to do that in the u.s which i think is a really cool thing and i would love to see you know how that expands as it expands because i see people trying to do it um you know it's more mom and pop kind of more uh, kind of more hip and cool type thing, and you guys are making it hip and cool. Yet it is a franchise at the same time, which I think is a really is a really awesome place to live. And I and I kind of love to see that. So you know, a question for you, Mike, when you're talking to prospects and you're really seeing and you're really and they're hearing all about this new concept in the space that they may be unfamiliar with, especially these more sophisticated operators. They love what they're hearing, but. Um, they may not really know how an employee might might really feel about working on a concept like this because it's kind of untreaded territory within franchising. So talk to me a bit about what you're saying when people are asking about things like, will employees like working here? You know, are your are your franchisees providing anything in particular to lure employees to actually work for the brand and really love doing that? Is the culture the huge part of that? Is there some type of tech you guys use? You know, talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, uh, a lot of good stuff to to unpack right there. Um, I think what's a really cool thing, especially with our franchisees, even current franchisees, they continue to grow and actually acquire more territory. Like our number one franchisee down in Houston just recently required the rest of the state of Texas. Um, mm. So he's got like another 23 locations that um, you know he's going to build in his pipe. And so I think from an employee standpoint, um, you know, yeah, I mean, employees want to work at a place that they can enjoy, that they could be excited to go to. Uh, but I think with like the really good talent, you know, they want to see that there's, uh, you know, there, there's a long-term, a long-term play and there's opportunity to grow and there's opportunity to, you know, potentially have, you know, ownership in a location, uh, you know, down the road. And so with current franchisees, with that current mentality of, Hey, here's, you know, we're going to open X amount of stores over the next 10 years. Obviously that's super attractive. Uh, I think one of the things that um, I don't want to call it our secret sauce, but it's the brilliance of the vision of our founder. Um, not a lot of people understand. Yes, we're a Japanese concept, but I think on the surface, the first thought is, um, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we need to find a market, or we need to find real estate or areas that are going to be um, attracting, you know, Japanese customers." And it's actually the complete opposite. Uh, so, you know, we look for, uh, you know, when it comes down to demographics, as Justin said, our, you know, our founder wanted to come create a brand that was targeted more towards, you know, the North American demographic. And so when you walk into Virginia, you don't feel like you're walking into a Japanese restaurant. Um, inside the four walls, uh, everything's intentional when it comes down to the lighting. Like, for example, uh, the lighting gets dimmer. As the night gets later, uh, or you know, as it gets later at night, uh, with our music, you know, we have uh, um, 
we have an incredible vendor, uh, Ambiance. They probably work with you know, most of the bigger brands around the U- U.S. Um, and we have customized a playlist uh, that uh, ties into our exact you know, demographic that we target, that early to mid-20s, to late-30s. Um, as the night gets, you know, as it gets later at night, the music gets faster. And so as uh, from the employee side, that environment and that vibe it's just super. It's it's very cool, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it, it does because I think that you know I'm your demographic, right? I'm a 28 year old. I'm a 28 year old guy, right? And I think that I'm. You want me taking my girlfriend on dates to Virginia? I mean, ideally, that's exactly what you guys are looking for. And I think that that type of vibe almost feels like it isn't a franchise, but it is. And I think that that's kind of the rewarding thing. Most people may not even know it's a franchise if they're a consumer <laughs> like me. Uh, of course, I know that, yeah. but I mean, most people wouldn't, and and they're and they're okay with that. They may not even know that there's another one anywhere at all. So I think it's 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 kind of the beauty of what of what Tomo and what you guys have created, and I and I and I really love that. I always have because I mean, I was a consumer before I really knew it was a franchise in the first place as well. Um, so really interesting to kind of to kind of see that. You know, Justin, I want to kind of hand it over to you for a second. Um, because this is really the bedrock of the podcast here as it relates to technology. And that's really the reason that modern business exists. It's just, you know, to be able to hear about, you know, what brands are doing from a technology standpoint, anything interesting um, that you guys have in the tech stack that is really kind of setting yourselves, setting yourselves apart from in the FSR space. Yeah, I would say um, just out of necessity, really, you know, we're, we're a small team, so it's not like I have, 10 people under me that can run digital and run social and run everything, you know, the way bigger brands do. Um, Early on, I knew I needed a partner that could execute on digital because through the pandemic, we obviously put in tools for, you know, third-party delivery and signed those MSAs and got a better online ordering system put in quickly and things like that that were a necessity at the time. But then on the digital front, I just needed an expert that could help us push the ads where they needed to go, you know, and, and be super hyper targeted. So I found a company called Hyperlocology um, that that does an amazing job at really, you know, each of our stores has developed its own digital audience over time. We started in February of 2020 um, and just really started, you know, let's develop each audience based on what we think our characteristics are for our guests, like millennials, certain, you know, economic factors, all these factors that you go through on like a Google form of every checkbox you can do. We went through that process, but then we implemented that on a per location basis. All of our ads are based on, you know, clicks, orders. We have all the data. We see who's clicking. We find lookalikes. But a, a customer that's like in Tulsa, Oklahoma is not the same as an LA customer. It's not the same as Seattle. It's not the same as Atlanta. And it's on a per store basis. So I take the marketing fund. I develop the ad creative. We put that out there on a quarterly basis with the you know the chef specials. Usually we show our brand video on there as well on display. Um, but we have an always on you know, philosophy where our digital is always on. I use the, the marketing budget to to run that. But as a secondary component to that, we have a dashboard where our franchisees can literally log in in three steps. They can also run their own creative based on what we're already doing. So that means they're building more audience with their dollars. So it's highly targeted. It's the smartest way to do it. I can track spending, the whole thing, right? So their product is really just pushing us in an amazing direction where 
every store that comes online is developing a, a, its own digital audience. And over time, that evolves. So it's based on who's clicking, who's ordering. We find more of those. We recycle those. We go. We keep going. You know. So it's like a really smart way of doing it where I don't have to lead that. I have data scientists on their team looking at it. I have you know an account manager that looks at it. We make the creative. We put it up there. It's already approved. So if any franchisee says, hey, I want to spend $300 and boost my lunch sales this month, great. It's three steps. Put in your credit card, pick your date range, pick your creative, you're done. So it's just a great product and they've been a great partner. So that's one way we've done it. But really, we've overhauled most of the tech stack except for the POS. But we brought on Olo this year. We're bringing on loyalty. Like there's a bunch of other pieces now for this year that we're adding. So those will launch very shortly. And, you know, it's just it's an exciting time. Really, the hardest part of it is just getting your franchisees excited because they don't always know what's out there, how how it really works or what the power and, and the benefits are. So my job is to really sell that internally and say, look, we're going to build a CRM. You're going to have access to your guests. You're going to have access to guest data. You can activate based on the data. You don't have to coupon. You can you can do things like whoever comes in the most this month gets X prize. That way it's one prize that you're giving away, but yet you're getting all these visits and they're paying full price. You know, things like that where we work smarter, not harder is how we like to talk about it. Yeah, no, I think that that's, uh, it's, you guys are at a really cool time and the brands, you know, in the brands and in, in inflection point, just being at that in between that, you know, really around that 50 range is when things really start to click and you're able to do a hell of a lot more as it relates to tech. You're able to hire more people and all that. So you guys are really at a, at a cool point um, in a in a typically in a typical restaurant brand's history. So I think it's it's cool to see that you guys really you know have those things on the horizon. You know, Mike, as you're kind of talking uh, and thinking about the rest of this year going into next year, you know, what are some of the really what are some of the big goals that you guys have um, going into the next couple months going into 23? Right now, opening Hawaii. Yeah, no, we uh, we have uh, that's obviously been been a big focus uh, over the next uh, you know over the next 30, 45 days. Um, you know, I think there's 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 two components to that. Number one, obviously the the um, you know the development side and the real estate construction. Um, you know, we're right now slated to open. You know, depending on when you know construction finishes, probably another six to seven locations this year. Uh, a couple, you know, one or two of those might push into, uh, you know, 2023. But, uh, um, you know, so when it comes down to development, the focus has been on, you know, just having franchisees focus uh, um, on obviously not 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 just continuing to look, but um, not getting too worried about like raw materials costs, for example. I think one of the benefits of call it a recession is uh, you know, a lot of the uh, pricing on raw materials is going to start decreasing. I actually just heard yesterday lumbers dropped like 25% over like the last two weeks. And so, you know, when franchisees were freaking out that, you know, construction was look, you know, looking at 40%, uh, uh, 40% increase over maybe just a year and a half ago, um, that's going to start to, to, to normalize. Um, you know, as it comes down to, you know, franchise sales specifically, um, you know, we have a ton of momentum right now, and uh, really, it's just focusing on uh, bringing in the right partners and continuing to raise that standard of the type of partners we're bringing in. I mean, we just signed a master license agreement with Penn National Gaming. Uh, you know, we're uh, first casino that we're going to go into is uh, Maristar Blackhawk. You know, that's going to be huge for us. And then, uh, you know, just kind of closing up the pipeline. You know, we have. 
um, some pretty significant uh, developments uh, in play uh, as it pertains to, uh, you know, just I, I would expect us to double uh, our pipeline as far as what's in development uh, within the next, I would say, five to six months. Um, so it's just going to be, you know, we're going to be intelligent about that and make sure that uh, you know, we're just keeping everybody on track and just getting the word out and again, just raising raising that standard uh, of that type of franchisee that we're bringing in. Uh, you know, we're not the cheapest uh, uh, investment, but um, you know, on the back end of that, uh, it can be very favorable for the right people. Yeah, and and I, and I think that you know, you guys are in a unique position to capitalize on you know a brand within an industry that will likely become hotter and hotter as you know the time goes by as consumer tastes begin to begin to become even more diversified than they already have been so i think that there's a lot of opportunity for you all it's not like you're building out a a five million dollar buffet style fsr you know it's a very different type of vibe and i think that you guys have a really awesome alternative as you know my generation the millennials start to kind of gain uh, get out of that college debt and start to get more and more cap capital to be able to um, to be able to put to work. You know, you guys will probably be a brand people will think of because they've eaten there before, which is not a well, bad thing. We're, we're definitely not going to slow down. I mean, we there's, I think when it comes down to recession, you have two mentalities. You have the one that it, you know they understand that there's going to be a, a huge ups upside uh, on the back end of this recession. You have others who are going to. Um, kind of hang tight and, and see what happens. And you know the guys that are are doubling down and seeing the opportunities that uh, are going to be at hand over the next call it you know eight to ten months. Um, you know those are the guys that we want to focus on. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that those, uh, and I'm sure you will find many of those, which is which yeah. is definitely a good thing. So, uh, Justin, going to finish with you here. Any major goals that you guys have on the marketing and technology side that we want to finish with? Um, for the rest of this year going into next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on it, but just really finishing up um, installing Olo and, you know, we're using their other product wisely for our CRM, which they acquired. We're using Sparkfly, which Chipotle uses. I mean, we're trying to use the best partners we can use. Um, but finishing that up and then Mike didn't mention it, but we we did, um, we have Placer uh, .ai now as well for, for the real estate side, but also for the marketing side. So integrating that, um, I'm using that with Hyperlocology to just make our ads even better. Um, with the Placer technology, you can track traffic patterns to the location, to the address. You can see where your people come from. You can see where they go after. So there's it's just a, a ton of data that they can actually use as well to improve our, you know, our ad targeting. So that's really exciting too. And that's, you know, it's already in play, but it's only going to get better as we go this year. It's nice when all the tech kind of works together with each other, right? It's always, it's always good. It so, makes it easier to sell. Yes, just a little bit, just a little bit. But, uh, but guys, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time today. It was, uh, was, really, was really a joy to have you guys on. I've been uh, wanting to for a while. I, I love the food, so I think it was, it was about time. So uh, really looking forward to seeing you guys uh, hopefully in person very soon. Uh, Mike, just for people who want to learn a little bit more about the brand from a franchise development standpoint, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to uh, JuniorRamanbar.com or JuniorHoldings.com uh, to see um, uh, everything that we have going on. Uh, we actually are currently in process of building our uh, specific franchise uh, website for both uh, Junior Ramen Bar and Bushy. But, um, you know, JuniorRamanbar or JuniorHoldings.com. Perfect. Okay. Start. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, well, gentlemen, I really appreciate the time. Uh, thanks again. And for folks who would like to listen to more episodes like this, uh, definitely go and subscribe on Modern Business anywhere they listen to the podcast. Again, that is M-O-D-R-N. Uh, Ryan and I, like Ginny, I like to be hit and cool and young. Uh, and we drop the E there. So just make sure that you do not put that in there if you were having a hard time finding it. Um, if you'd list, like to listen to, if you'd like to listen to some more episodes like, you know, like this as well, feel free to listen to some other podcasts that we like to shout out, like Social Geek Radio. Uh, my friend Jack Monson does a really great job. Um, he shouts us out, so I got to shout him out too. Uh, thanks again, everybody, and have a great rest of your week. Cheers.